This is In a Skirt with Crystal Riley. This show celebrates the unconventional athlete and those helping make sports available, accessible, and fun for everyone. Welcome to episode 11 of In a Skirt Podcast. This episode is with Katha Potts. I met Katha last summer. We went on several group rides together, and each time I got to know a little bit more about her. She's kind, really strong on the bike, talented, and easy to talk to. In this episode, we talk about running, cycling, old homes, shiplap, art history, and Katha discovers my total lack of knowledge when it comes to art and famous artists. Katha, you know, the first thing I want to know about is this house. This is really (laughs) cool, because this is my first time seeing it. Um, How long have y'all lived here? Well, so Rob has actually lived here about 13 years. Okay. And in the in the Lufkin community, this is called the Shans House. So okay. I'm, I'm not from Lufkin, but it's it's interesting because if you tell people, right, if you if you say like, oh, well, we're living in the Shans House, like Lufkin people actually know who that is. So that they they know that reference. So it's, it, I guess, the Shans House. <laughs> we have the Shans old house. <laughs> so how old is the house? Uh, I think he said it's the oldest one on the street, so 1930s. Okay. Um, but it's, it's you know, got the shiplap and oh, the yeah. 1930s wallpaper, which is beautiful, but it's oh, yeah. got holes at this point, but it's done with the cheesecloth and the mm-hmm. whole... The whole nine yards, so... So it's just, I mean, I think for, you know, like an artistic person like you, it's just perfect. (laughs) Fits your personality. It's very bright and colorful. It is so bright and colorful. I mean, windows everywhere with real shutters. Yeah, I love the shutters. Yes, I love these shutters. An awesome wooden staircase and your art, your touches everywhere. Yeah. So th- is this all your art? Oh, gosh, no. No, my grandfather um, was an art collector, is an art collector. He's 99, living with my parents. So when he moved in with my parents, he had to give up a lot of his art collection. <laughs> but um, has traveled all over the world. And so we actually have a lot of the art that I have was given to me by him. But when I'm in between shows, what I'll do is put up, I mean, it's hard to store yeah. all of that art. So especially sometimes like the bigger pieces, I'll kind of try to put on the walls so that okay. I'm not having to just store them in between shows. So the, the the yarn stuff is mine. So I need this podcast to start making some money so I can buy your art. <laughs> it's yes. really awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, okay. So I love the house and... Um, that's just extra, you know, didn't know I was going to talk about it. But once I, I walked in and I saw the shutters and the shiplap and the color and all of that, I uh, thought, I have to ask about this house. Oh, thanks. So you live here with your husband and y'all have two kids? Well, two, he- well, th- three sometimes. Okay. It fluctuates. Um, my oldest bonus son is 23 and he's with us right now because he graduated from college and he's, um, planning on going to graduate school. So he's been subbing. He worked for teachers a year and then decided he wanted to go back to grad school. So he's with us. And then, um, we have Clive half the time as well, who's 13 and then Ellie. And then we have a bonus. I have a bonus daughter up in Michigan. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I didn't know you had a. Of the other bone, yes. Sure. Well, you know, once they get out of the house, it's, you know, yeah. it's kind of hard to keep track. Grown up, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, are you? You're from Houston originally? Or um, where are you from? You know, I so I grew up in Falls Church, Virginia. Okay. Um, and that's where I spent my formative years, basically mm-hmm. from the time I was in kindergarten until I was 16. So, that's really more of, I don't know. I guess more definitive of who I am. If that makes sense, yeah. but I've been in—I was in Houston longer. It's just that by that point, I was an adult almost. Yeah, but just, your childhood memories, your my childhood playground. memories, absolutely, are all Washington D.C. Why'd you guys you know? move over to Houston then? Oh, so my dad's a minister of music. Okay, and he was at Columbia Baptist in in Falls Church, Virginia. And then he got the, the position at South Maine, and he retired at South Maine. So he's rare in that. Um, he pretty much stayed at his churches for a, a, you know, a long extended time. I think the average time for a minister of music to stay is like five years. Mm-hmm. And he was there, you know, over 25 years, his last church. And so, so. he still lives in Houston. They still my parents Houston? do. Okay. Right. Right. So, 
I know you run and you cycle and you've got the trainer set yeah. up over there. And then like, <laughs> Don't forget my bike's on the wall. And then your bike's on the wall. I like the bikes on the wall. It's very New York, isn't it? It is. It's I, right. I feel like for a little bit, I'm, I'm not stuck in Lovekin, Texas because you've got the, the really eclectic room over there with the piano and the bikes on the wall. It's very Manhattan. That's I'm going to go home and put, hang my bikes on the wall. I don't know where I'm going to hang them to some random place. No. <laughs> Looks neat. So how long have you been running and cycling? Oh, gosh. Oh, let's see. I, I remember starting running, I guess, in, in college. Um, I don't think I was, like, super serious about it, but I, I was always interested in it. And so, but I, I did musical theater for that was so when I graduated that's what my degree was in and I started working in in theater and doing shows and that is all consuming so Mm -hmm. that's what I did so when I stopped doing that um there was like this huge empty space in my calendar and I'd always wanted to and and I ran like kind of when I could but Mm -hmm. nothing consistent because shows just your rehearsal schedule so weird and wacky and um you're the opposite of like literally every normal person on on the planet most normal people they're with their nine to five jobs right Mm -hmm. and um anyway all that to say uh I just had always wanted to run a marathon and so I had this huge chunk of time now to fill you know with Mm -hmm. some other obsession (laughs) so I started training for a marathon and and with with Houston Fit and started like I guess running seriously, not mm-hmm. not seriously, but you know what I mean, like regularly. Yeah. And then became an assistant coach with them, and that was sort of my. So I went from like the world of theater and music theater and musical theater and that kind of thing to uh, the world of, of running. You know. So what cycling. is Houston Fit? So Houston Fit is actually um, I think it's national part of USA Fit, mm-hmm. and it's just one of the many training programs in Houston. There are a number of training programs that they have, like Kenyon Way is one of them. There's another one, not Fleet Feet, that's a store, but um, anyway, number, you know, numerous um, programs, not just with biking, but running. I mean, Houston's a pretty fit yeah. city and, and, and it's eclectic and it's, but it's also, um, you know, they've done really an amazing job with their biking and running trails, especially since I've, you know, the time I was 16, since I've lived there. I mean, mm-hmm. I just see the, the pro the progress, the progression that they've made. And, and, um, you know, it's become quite the cycling and running community. So, um, the, the training programs are just kind of part of that. And the great thing about Houston is you can kind of always find a pace group to run with. It yeah. was a huge, huge group that would meet. It was so big that they would divide up into like color groups. So each color group ran a certain, you know, what, nine to 10 or nine thirty pace or whatever. So you'd have this big group and we'd sort of leave off like you do with marathons in, in mm-hmm. shifts. And then, um, you kind of find somebody in your pace group to run with, but really a, a fabulous kind of accountability, um, program. It was a, a great sort of bang for your buck. I mean, it wasn't very expensive and they had, they would have coaches, um, come in, they would have professionals come in and and give talks and you could stay for the talk or not stay for the talk. And they would do core workouts after the run and you could stay for that or not stay for that. And they'd have, you know, people come in from, um, koala health and wellness and and give away free massages. And of course they're advertising too. Um, but it was, it was a neat, neat program so okay Kate though we need to get love can fit up and running (laughs) they actually did have like cypress fit and I mean but yeah I don't I mean they probably could have a love can fit branch but I'm not and I'm not sure how that works because I know that they had even at the marathons you would see sort of like you know cypress fit or Fairbanks fit or and when I went up to Dallas Fort Worth they had that there as well. So mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know like how you would yeah. find out. We could just do something on our own. Right. I mean, we're, we're small, but we are growing. Yeah. It's more and more people interested in getting out and hopefully getting active. Right. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> seems that way. So you ran for how long with Houston Fit or you helped coach with them for how long? I think a couple years I ran with them. I did for a while. Um, I would do back to back 
marathons. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of get obsessive about whatever I'm doing. <laughs> I've noticed that on Strava. <laughs> so following yeah. you on Strava, I I'm tend like, to really focus. How on... many miles can she ride in one week? <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm just all right, all in. I'm all in. Um, so yeah. So, uh, what distances do you like for running? Um, to be honest, I, I do like the longer distances. It's just that as I've gotten older, my body does not like the long distances and I'm not like a natural runner. I mean, I really run, um, you know, really more for, because we can't hike here. Like if I were in Colorado, I'd be hiking or skiing all day. I like to be outside. I like you know, to be active outside. And so this is my way of doing that. And so the running doesn't necessarily have to be fast, but I, I do enjoy kind of taking in nature as I go along. And, and, and that's why I enjoy the long distances because I like to be outside when it's nice. And I like the way it, it feels, you know, no matter when, I mean, even when it's really hard, right? So like sometimes that's the most satisfying is when you have these really tough yeah. runs and you you have to keep stopping and but you keep you keep on you know you just keep pressing on and you finish and you know like I said sometimes that's the most satisfying because yeah. it was harder it wasn't like an easy run that you just kind of breezed through so it cost more <laughs> things yes that, things yeah. that cost you more seem to be more valuable yeah <laughs> at the end go. of the day <laughs> so how many marathons have you run so I just ran my 12th Houston yeah. was your was your twelfth, yeah, um, which was good because I was stuck at eleven, and I was like, "Ah, oh, that's an odd number, and I want to be stuck at eleven. <laughs> so, but I wasn't sure I was going to be able to run another one. Yeah. Honestly, I had taken a long hiatus because I had tried to train after that eleventh, but just kept getting injured, and um, so I tried to really train smart because you know the older you get, like I'm almost fifty. 50. I think that Saturday Night Lives get you too young for that. Okay. Um, but you know, it's like you just, your body starts to break down. And like I was saying earlier, I'm not a natural runner. I have flat feet. Um, so they're just, and you had some ankle problems last year, wasn't it? Continually. Yeah. I mean, everybody's kind of got their thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like some people it's IT band or knees or I've never struggled with my knees, but Mm -hmm. I've always struggled with my ankles. I have weak ankles. They, they torque really easily. And, you know, that's what happened this last time I was training, but I wasn't very hard, very hard not to, uh, run consecutive days in a row Yeah, because that just beats my body down. So So do you do, is road then better for you? Cause I know it's more high impact, but then trail is just really bad for ankles. I know, you know, really it's, it's kind of a, a catch 22. Mm-hmm. I was running a lot at the zoo and which I love, I love it there. You're running around that little, I know. I'm so pond. glad we have that. Full I know. Trail there too. Now. That's I mean, it's so nice. And you can also go like, you can make it into a two loop, a two mile loop. If you go like, the, I saw that from yeah. your Strava account oh, there you <laughs> yeah. and hills and everything. I mean, yeah. it kind of has everything and a bathroom. So yeah. it's like, got it all right. Water fountain, bathroom, um, hills. So it's, uh, but the, that's where I injured my ankle, you know, more than once. And so I got to where I was like, Oh, just, you know, nervous to even run there. Mm-hmm. And so I started running, I guess more with Stephanie and Elizabeth yeah. kind of where they run over, um, off of 69. Yeah. Hunt, the Huntington area. Yeah. And I've never, I've never had any injuries over there. So for, I don't know, that just seems to be better. Yeah. surface to run on it's also really pretty over there like there it have is really pretty cows and flowers and it's, nature it is nice it is really nice so so houston was your 12th have most of them been at you you like you like the houston marathon don't you have most of them um, been there or I, you know it's not that i like it really um it's it's just that it's really convenient and um you know what? The crowd support's really fun, but usually the weather's pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. This last year was super. It was just perfect marathon It was finally weather. cold. Yes. Yes. Which I think any runner would tell you. Most most runners, I think, would say that they run better in the cold. Yeah. My husband just started running in January, so he started running. So I did the Louisiana Marathon the same day as the Houston Marathon, January 20th. Yeah. So for anybody listening, Kate's husband is 
they're remodeling he's his renovating. house. Renovating. So he's, he's, he's like wondering what that is. Renovating as we speak. <laughs> Outside. Outside. Um, and so he had just, I, so I ran January 20th as well, and it was cold in Baton yeah. Rouge. And my husband, who just started running, said, oh my goodness, I feel so sorry for you. It's supposed to be 30 degrees yeah. oh, with yeah. a high of 40 during your run. I was like, you feel sorry for me. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Right. That's PR weather. Totally. It's <laughs> perfect running weather. Totally is. People do like, not really? understand. Yeah. Yes. I was like, you don't want to run when it's 60 and 70. Gosh, no. It's hot. Oh, and I've run Houston before when it's been like, you know, 89 and just brutal and humid and, you know, just miserable when it's like that. So, so, um, now you've kind of, when did you start moving over to riding a bike? (laughs) So once again, I think like most runners would tell you when you start to get injured. Yeah, I know. That's why the older you get, right? Like you just... And I, I knew a lot of people at Houston Fit that had already started to transition to either tries or, or bike because you just, your body, like I said, just starts to break down mm-hmm. and you've got to do something that's a little bit better for, um, like cycling just doesn't tend to injure your body the way that, that running does. Unless you get hit by a car. <laughs> there you go. Or, or, or bitten by a dog. Yeah. <laughs> or fall off. With, right. With clips. I, when I oh, start, oh, oh, yeah. When that's... I started clipping in, I fell so many times. I know, but it's only when I stop it's terror it's like you know I'm like I, I I stop and I'll fall over I'm like what is the matter with me someone pulled up next to me in a truck once a friend of mine was trying to tell me something I was like I can't stop exactly. slow down exactly I'll fall off the bike. So, I will do that I will like bike in circles so I don't have to unclip I can't unclip it's true it's just like a little ridiculous I have some coordination issues uh, yeah though, so you and me both so you ride, you mainly ride now, don't you? I more? do. Um, yeah, I would say if I'm not, cause I'm not training right now mm-hmm. for a marathon. Um, although, you know, I guess the, the, the main thing about running is I feel like it's, you kind of get the most bang for your buck, yeah. so to speak. I mean, you're always, you get the best workout you can get in the shortest amount of time. I think it's because I think, I think the problem with cycling for runners is because we've run, we, we've been running for so long, our bodies have adapted aerobically to that. And so then once you get on a bike, you just can't get your heart rate up. Right. And so it just doesn't seem like you're burning the same amount of calories or you're getting the, you know, an equal workout because your body's so used to doing something harder, you know, harder aerobically. Right. Um, with the run. And so it just, it doesn't. Well, I feel like it. I have to bike twice as long yeah. as I would run. And you do that. You know, and I do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, which yeah. I don't always have the time to do. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you you do have to do that on a bike. But but I was saying, not only do you do as in general, you like you as in Katha. When we were checking out your straw, I'm like, Katha just rode 40 miles yesterday. Now she's riding 50 miles today. <laughs> well, I, the other thing is like, so we've had such bad weather lately, yeah. and I we've been stuck inside. I need sunshine so bad. Like it's that's part of my therapy. And so when when the weather is nice like this, yeah. I'm like, I just want to get out and soak up that nice weather while I can because it's going to get miserable. You're right? tired of Watopia? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, right, Watopia. I'm like, I've done all the routes on Watopia. Plus, they don't let you pick. You know, I'm like, I don't want to do an 8,000 elevation. I want this distance, but not 8,000 elevation. What? No. I know. The, the other day I got on and it was like, epic climb on Watopia. What is this? Oh, no, no, yeah. no. I don't want the epic climb. Exactly. I'm like, how do you get the distance without the climb? You know, yeah. they need to like, yeah, yeah, somebody needs to fix that. <laughs> hey, did you know they have training on there? I just discovered that. I yeah, I did see that, but I I didn't know if that was like the same routes or if they did different routes. Or... So I just discovered it last week. Even though I've had Zwift for I don't know a year and a half. Right. Um, so no, you you go on whatever routes or on that day, London, Watopia, whatever. But, um, so you're still riding virtually in those places. Okay. But, uh, did you ever use trainer road? 
No. Okay. Mm -mm. But it's controlling your controllable, your trainer, like trainer road instead. So even though you're seeing on your screen Watopia or London and your little avatar is in that place and it's doing those routes, you're not feeling on the trainer the the simulated route the hills or anything like that instead your trainer is doing intervals for you and it's so it'll show the intervals so your little avatar is cycling london or watopia but your trainer is doing like it'll do it'll say do five minutes at this 180 um, yeah 180 or whatever and then five minutes at 75 and you know repeat five times or something that's what it's doing instead and so you can pick training programs on there okay so i just found that last year. I was like, what is this thing that says training? (laughs) So, you know. And I tend to do the what, I I tend to do Zwift just like for funsies, you know. So Mm -hmm. it's like, I, you know, when I see the trainer, I'm like, oh, training. That just that sounds hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to train. I don't know. It's easier than the epic climb on oh, Utopia. Yeah. Some of those ridiculous. So what's your favorite of the two? Riding, running? Oh. I guess, you know. Injury aside. Uh, yeah, injury. I mean, if I could, if I could run, I would, I would probably run mm-hmm. more. I mean, I, I feel safer when I run. Um. The I I guess the the benefit to biking is you can go places that you can't go. Yeah, with running, go a lot further. We can go to Zavala. You can go to Zavala, <laughs> right? Woohoo! Huntington, Zavala. Yeah. <laughs> You've got your, all your choices. Yeah. Or a tour of Dye Ball, Dye Ball yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all kinds of options here. Um, yeah. So, in the interest in swimming and in triathlon, yeah, I, I like swimming too. But uh, Kelly, I rode with Kelly this morning, and she was. We were talking about uh, triathlons, and I mean, the the main thing for me is one, it just conflicts with my show schedules, yeah. and you know, I already have one expensive hobby, my art. So, like, yeah. I'm actually trying to make money with that, like, recover money from that. And so, you know, the other thing is, it's expensive. I mean, triathlons are. Are exp- biking is, yeah. I know I was telling Elizabeth, I was like, I can't afford to bike. I mean, like, it's just pricey, especially when you come from running, right? Yes. I mean, running is probably one of the cheapest yeah. sports that, sorry, that's that there is, you know? Well, I mean, and that's why when I was trying to find something to do, I thought, well, running, you can do anywhere. You don't need to haul right. equipment with you. And it's economical. Like, at the time, I was just thinking, oh, you just need any pair of tennis shoes, which, you know, now I'm at the point where I have three you do have to yes and rotate (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's important but that was longer distances I mean if you're going out when I like when I started one two three miles a day you don't need all that right to get started in running it's cheap yes I don't see how it could ever be cheap to get started and it is not at all it's just like a minimum of like five thousand dollars it's a little ridiculous (laughs) so and when I got the first pair of shoes, I didn't realize they didn't come oh, yeah. with the pedals. I was like, I have to, did I have to go I buy know. pedals? It's like buying the computer without the word. You're like, they yeah. sell words separately? I mean, yeah. what, are they going to start selling soles for the shoes separately now? What are people just trying I to make know. a buck? It makes me so angry. I had to hold on to the shoes for several months while, so then I, I could know. wait to buy the pedals. And Isn't then... that ridiculous? Yes. Oh my gosh. So for all you cyclists listening, you, you guys picked an expensive one. So, oh, so you talked about art. Um, where did you go to school? Where didn't I go to school? No, <laughs> I went did to. You jump around. <laughs> yeah, I went to lots of places. I graduated from HBU, Houston Baptist University, where I had a, a scholarship in uh, vocal performance, which is how I ended up with a degree in voice um, versus art. And uh, then I went on to U of H to, to study more voice and some, some art there as well and did some post-baccalaureate studies in theater and that kind of thing. So um, so what jobs have you had? You were an art teacher before you moved to Lovekin, weren't you? So I was an actress slash singer okay. for 10 years, mostly, I guess mostly singers, mostly cast in musicals um, in, in the Houston area. And then I, I I taught on the side too to kind of support my um, arts, you know, my um, my music habit and my acting habit. And so I was teaching art even even then, but like part time. And I would do voiceovers and you know did, did pretty well doing that. 
um, those two together was like sort of the perfect combination, uh, kind of the best of both worlds. And um, I guess I so an actress for 10 years and then, um, I don't know, I had my daughter and, and then uh, started, I mean, I had some odd jobs obviously mm-hmm. here and there, but then started teaching again. God provided this amazing job for me at a private school and so was a full-time art teacher there um up until I got married so so when did you realize like you had this I mean really awesome gift when it comes to art um gosh I think I've just always been I mean ever since I was a little kid I would sit in my room and draw designs and I mean just draw and draw and draw and create things and make little like houses I remember I make these cardboard houses for my little tiny ceramic animals (laughs) and make little beds with little bed sheets and cut out little windows and put little curtains on them and I mean just stuff like that that I you know I would design names you know I would do like everybody's name in a different way and I would I you know so just I was always drawing or creating or you know some form of that from the time that I was just really little so so do you have a does that run in your family is there any other artistic people in your family what musicians well music obviously family of musicians yeah yeah um and I guess I guess like my my grandfather and my uncle are both pretty artistic but they were dentists a dentist slash doctor and um you know, I think I think when you have those skills, it's obviously better to, <laughs> to do that and then do your art on the side. It pays a little bit better. Yes. They always tell you, you know, in theater, like, if there's anything else you can do, that's probably what you should, you should do. do. And I just always felt like, well, there's nothing else I can do. Like, this is, like, my only choice because I just don't have any other skills. <laughs> so this is what I got, people. Pretty sad. Well, yeah, but that then, like, I've always thought the opposite. Oh, I better really make sure this lawyer gig works out because I have no talents. So if this doesn't work out, there is nothing else for me to do. I couldn't support myself. Yeah, but I mean, I think in general, the arts are just a lot harder to, you know, it's a, it's a hard way to make a living. Yeah. Which is so. why they tell you, you mm-hmm. know, if there's any other way. And I would not be doing, I would not be selling my art like, I mean, there are people that we meet people all the time that do this for a living, but it's, it's, it's tough. It's mm-hmm. tough. And, um, I mean, theater was tough, but you know, I made that work and I was making that work. And, um, but then, you know, when you have a, a family or yeah. a, any kid that like, that's a whole other, like, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's a tough industry, no matter how you slice it. It's just better to have some practical skills. <laughs> what type, what different types of art have you done? Uh, I, I, I draw, I love to draw. I love to draw. And, um, I mean, I've really done, a, I guess a little bit of everything cause I've taught art and I tried to give the kids as much of a broad range as possible, as well as always incorporate as much as, as I could of art history. Cause I just thought it was, you know, it's just so important to me. And I know that you know, I'm, I'm different people have different priorities, but art is a record of, I mean, it's a, it's a visual record of history. Mm-hmm. And so you can look at the art from, you know, the time of the, the Babylonians, Egyptians, even in, even in the Bible where it talks about, you know, the statues, the idols, and like to see that visually, you know, it's a record of what people value of of their where they live their surroundings their environment it's just it's fascinating to me Mm -hmm. and so you know art history is is like basically a record of humanity and in the different places that it comes from like different parts of the world how it how it represents those people in some way and says something you know really important about that those indigenous people and I, I just find that incredibly fascinating. And so I always tried to incorporate as much art history as I possibly could as well, which is where the yarn paintings came from. Is um, It was part of my curriculum on um, Mexico, like when I was doing folk art, because mm-hmm. I love to study like, you know, the different cultures, like what different cultures do and what their art looks like and, and uh, folk, folk art looks like. 
And so the Huichol Indians in Mexico do the yarn painting. So I kind of took that idea for me and, and ran with it with my own stuff. But when I did it with my kids, we just did, you know, like on cardboard with Arlene's tacky glue. And, you know, we do a line drawing and the kids would, you know, fill in it. It would take them like, a, you know, a couple of weeks to do even like a small one. But they, you know, really enjoyed it. And So is that mainly what you're doing right now is the yarn yeah. art? Yeah. Okay, so explain that because... I think when I first, like if you Google yarn art, you see like the kitty stuff. Right. And so I was trying to explain to my husband one day, he was like, yarn art. I was like, no, John, it's like awesome. This stuff is awesome. And then you Google it and it's like, oh, the, oh, right. the Hobby Lobby stuff. You just, I was like, no, that's, that's not what she does. I can't explain it. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I kind of took that idea and just sort of, ran with it and made it made it kind of my own thing so I took the, the concept but really I didn't I didn't intend to sell this I just was like oh it'd be really fun like now that I'm not teaching I would love to actually kind of actively try to sell some of my work mm-hmm. so originally I was trying to sell like other stuff but I had these yarn paintings that were up in my art room when I was teaching and I brought them to you know some of my early shows just because I needed to sell like it was they were just on my wall they were in the way you know and um people that's what people were interested in yeah so I was a little kind of surprised and amazed you know that that's what I mean I guess I shouldn't be right because it's it's just really different and I think most people haven't seen it and don't you know and I'm like that's crazy I've been teaching this for 20 years like who knew that it would be I had never seen it before well, if you now if you Google Huichol Indians yarn okay. paintings, that's kind of what I was teaching. So initially, I started with like, okay, we're going to take one, you know, idea from this Huichol Indian yarn painting. Mm-hmm. They're very figurative and stylized, and they have to do with their religious tablet, so they're they religious in significance to them, and so they have a very distinct look. I mean, they're really cool looking. Um, and so it, originally, I had the kids just kind of taking a little part of a you know, a yarn painting and, and reproducing that. And then we kind of, kind of got into, you know, Oh, maybe we'll do pop art with it. Maybe we'll do that. You know, cause as an art teacher, I was always changing up my curriculum and trying to, you know, and growing and making it more interesting. And maybe I can mix this with that. And maybe this next time we'll do cupcakes or, you know, in mm-hmm. yarn or, you know, so just always kind of brainstorming. So, I mean, it's yarn art, but it looks like, intricate beautiful paintings how how long would something like that how long does it take you to so, create one yeah so yeah i'm looking at so you have this one behind you that's three horses um it's kind of big what size is that so it's like a two foot by three foot okay and and that's actually based on a franz mark painting like when i first started doing these and i'm like that's gogon and um i love art history so I thought it'd be really fun to kind of reproduce like one of the ones that I sold right off the bat was the scream. I'm sure you're yes, familiar Vanga. with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had done no Moonch um, oh, okay. with the, with oh, the, yeah. the screaming. See, see how much yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, I, you know, I was like, so, cause I just did it for fun. Like as mm-hmm. when I was sampling, Van Gogh's like, a starry kids. night guy. That's right. right. Okay, there you Van go. Gogh's starry night. I and that. I just sold a Van Gogh, the Van Gogh irises. I had, I'd done Van Gogh irises. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's a Franz Mark and I had this poster in college. So when I was doing the yarn stuff, I was like, I am totally making that in yarn, putting my living room. Cause I, I think especially like the Phobos and the, the post-impressionists like, uh, Van Gogh look incredible. They translate into the yarn so beautifully because Van Gogh already has those almost audible, like if you've ever seen it in person, the paint literally just jumps off the canvas. Mm-hmm. It is beautiful like crazy beautiful and so the yarn really kind of captures that that vibrancy and that 3d yeah kind of texture right so how long did that one take oh so i'm sorry uh that took about a month that size takes about a month i mean i can do you know about like whatever that size is like in about an hour on average but that's once i start the yarn it's like what two by three inches what you what you're showing me now is that what yeah, I, it okay. looks like oh, so estimating. Two, yeah, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. About an hour. So, yeah, the this the colors, um, the three D texture, but it, it's it has so much detail in it that you it's hard for me to grasp that there's that much detail with yarn. Well, it's funny because I 
I have had this happen more than once where I'm at a show with somebody and my neighbor who's next to me will ask me, you know, I mean, this happened just the last show that I did. This guy was like, so what kind of paint do you use? And I thought he meant like, you know, on top, I was like, do you mean like on top of the yarn? And he's like, that's yarn. I mean, it, you know, he'd been next to me for yeah. like a, two days. Right. And did not know that it was yarn. So I try to put signage up, you know, as much as possible because one of the comments I get all the time is we thought this was paint. It looks like paint. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times because these shows are just, Oh my gosh, the, the talent levels like off the charts, these people, the people that these are the paint. shows you go to where you sell your art, right? Yeah. They're, they're art shows, art mm -hmm. festivals. Mm -hmm. And, um, so you, you know, I think a lot of times when people think it's painting, it's just easy for people to, to walk by because there's so many really amazing, talented artists. So they'll just be like, oh, more animal paintings, mm -hmm. you know, and, and what draws people in is when they know or see that it's yarn, you know, it's like, that, oh, that's yarn. Wow. That's yarn. So is that mainly where you're selling them now? Is that art festivals? I mean, yes, because you have to go where there's a market. Yeah. And I can, you can try the, I don't know, I really haven't gone like heavily into the whole online because really I think they look better in person. You I mean, do you really have, have a have website to, though, right? You, I, I do. Mean, you can buy it online. So I'll, you can, I'll yeah. put the link to your Instagram and to oh. your website in the show notes. So when people want to see these and look at it, if they're listening, they can click on that and okay. see, cause I hope people will, cause it's really neat oh, to go look at. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. I just, you know, I feel like it definitely shows better in person. Yeah, it does. It just looks they're so different yeah. in person. You know, you can't like, it just doesn't, I don't know, like photographing the yarn and just doesn't quite mm -hmm. get the feel of it. So, and you sell prints too. Yeah, I do. And I, I sort of waffled on that and I still am kind of a little undecided because I think the whole draw of it is that it's yarn. Yeah. Right. So it's like, people are like, no, I want the yarn. I don't, you know, but people do, do buy the prints, but, mm -hmm. and, and I have a really good printer and I use a really nice, um, archival paper and archival ink and, and they turn out really well, but it's not, it's not, you know, yeah. yarn. I want all the bison ones. <laughs> Those are all my favorite ones. I was like, I want all of these one day. Oh, the bison. Yeah. I would, yeah. Those are neat. Thank you. So is it mainly what you, I mean, you, and I've looked around on your Instagram and website and you have, you have a variety, but most of it is more like, um, I don't know, like horses and bison and most of it's animals. Animals. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, 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 have a little section that I call the altered antiquity and where I take, you know, a famous piece or mm -hmm. do a little homage to a famous piece or, and, and recreate that in yarn. Like I just did William Blake's the creation and I did, um, Surratt's, uh, the, the Sunday at La Grand Jeté, uh, the, the park at the Grand Jeté, the, you would, you would know it if you saw it. It's mm -hmm. like at Cane's and it's a very famous painting and I would love to do like Whistler's mother. And I want to do the one, like the lady with the, um, you can do it with the... The Rosie the Riveter. Yeah, you, you know, talk with the, the... She has the scarf on. Yeah, yeah, Rosie the just, Riveter. The World War Two one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So just things like that that would be, you know, I'd like to do the scream again. Oh, I, I think Rosie the Riveter one. would be so cool. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're just, they're fun. And um, and I saw, the. Van, I'd love to do another Van Gogh. I've done two Van Goghs. One of them was a, um, one of them was actually a, um, what do you call it when people commission mm -hmm. they they knew of a so you do that piece. too so someone can contact you. oh yeah yeah so they had asked me to do a, a certain van gogh piece and and so they commissioned that and i i did that for them so and they actually knew who van gogh was not like me who amazing so. <laughs> you would know if you saw it you probably they didn't say would. do the scream by van gogh <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> by monet by monette so yeah exactly <laughs> this monette guy <laughs> who's monette so where do you get your ideas from when you're not doing a, a specific one for someone? Oh, gosh. I mean, everywhere. Like, even... In fact, sometimes it's hard to focus in on one thing. I think it's been really hard for me 
because as an art teacher, that was great. Like I could, I could be totally unfocused because you know, you, you want to have this wide range of like, Oh, now I'm going to do repousse with the kids. And now I'm going to do some, um, you know, we're going to do paper mache. And then next week we'll do, you know, Wayne Thibodeau cupcakes. And so, but with, when you're trying to show, you really want to hone in on something. And so I'm still kind of struggling with like what subject matter I want to focus on. Um, so you just kind of, you know, find beauty everywhere. Like I've been out on my bike the last couple days and, you know, taking pictures of just, you know, cows and the beautiful trees are so pretty. And like, I like sort of dilapidated barns and the the really cool houses and the old churches. And I mean, there's just so many options, you know, that it's hard to kind of decide, gosh, what do I want to focus on? And I love art history. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, part of me feels like why reinvent the wheel? Like it was just, you know, it would be pretty Texas wildflowers. One day I'm going to commission that one. Yes. I'm going to write that down. See the irises that I did. Like mm-hmm. that was one of my all time favorite pieces. I like, it just was so beautiful. And I have, I have set, I started doing flowers like last summer after Utah. So I have, I don't know, three or four flowers that I had done, bigger flowers that I had done and, and sold one of them at Bayou city. Um, but yeah, so, so what kind of, yarn do you use i mean you're not like just going down a hobby lobby and oh buying. yes absolutely. oh really it's just regular yarn i'm thinking like this is um like no i'm buying it from native well, americans right oh yeah in. i love it when people ask me if i dye my own yarn i'm like yes well all the time that it takes me to no i kind of like i'm also dyeing my own yarn and growing of... it by hand i i shear the sheep in the back and i'm like sometimes i feel like some of these other artists i mean that's like how extreme it is i find these papers and recycle them from old books made out of the 16th century and i'm not even kidding you like oh, really? you read some of these bios you're like are you for real like I kind what? of expected you to say you did make it or something well you know if I had the time that <laughs> okay would be, and I have gone to like this a lot of this one here that that go, the gogan there um like that are a lot of those yarns came from a specialty store mm-hmm. and I do shop at specialty stores at, at, as well um but but there's like some great yarn at Hobby Lobby really? I mean funny. yeah like you I mean it, oh my gosh I go down the yarn aisle I'm like ah. Oh. <laughs> like, you know, like kid in a candy store. I'm, I've banned myself from the yarn aisle for the, until I use up some boxes. In what you already uh, have. think is bad. Yeah, I've got like boxes of organized. It's bad. bad. Someone thinks like an 80-year-old lady lives here when they go back to the yarn. Who buys that much yarn right? who's under the age of 80? I know. I know. It's ridiculous. That's hilarious. So what are your goals for the future with, with your yarn art or with art? Honestly, it's like, you know, when you start a business, I I had no idea. Like, it's just expensive and you really don't even make any money for the first two years. You're just trying to like make your expenses. And, yeah. Like I know, you look know, at the podcast equipment. That's what yeah, I'm doing here. It's, so, yeah. it's crazy uh-huh. because it's like, you know, you're not doing galleries, right? But you have to, you have to buy a tent. You have to buy a trailer. You have to buy, you know, stuff for said tent. You have to buy, you know, you have to buy the booth space. You have to invest in prints. You know, it's just this whole expensive, you know, and, and then you may or may not sell stuff. I mean, like it's always kind of a crapshoot when you go to a show, you Mm -hmm. just don't know even a good show. Like, you know, I, you try to get into the higher end shows and, you know, I've gotten into to some of those and that I'm really pleased with. I almost always do really well in Houston, the Bayou city art festival mm-hmm. in Houston. Um, but you don't ever know. I mean, it, and it can be really bizarre. I mean, what sells and what doesn't sell or when you have a good show or when you don't have a good show. So it's just, so how know. are these art festivals set up? I've never been to one. Like what, oh my what gosh, type of people are there? It's amazing. So when I see tents, I'm thinking like, you know, like people are going to be selling um, corn dogs and right. funnel cakes. Is, that, is it that type of it festival? It's nothing like it. Oh, okay. In fact, we went to, I, I wanted to check out the, what is the Nac, 
Nacogdoches Blueberry Festival? Was that yes. one? Yes. Okay. Oh, no, because see, that's, that's one of my funnel <laughs> right. cake ones. Oh, my gosh, no. I was, no. Yeah, no. Um, we went to that for fun, you know, for fun. Yes. And it's fun, right? That's like a fair kind of like, but oh, my gosh, no. Um, you should, you need to go to something like the Bayou City Art okay. Festival. When is that one? Now, um, there's one coming up there. They have a spring one and a fall one. And the downtown, um, fall one is, I want to say October. The spring one is usually held. At, it's the big one and it's held at Memorial park and it is in March. It, it's expensive. Um, but it's totally, it's totally worth it. It's an all day thing. They have like gourmet food trucks. I mean, like no funnel cake food uh, trucks. Oh my gosh. Sausage No, it is like the food trucks alone are just, I mean, you sold they had, they had like the trucks. waffle bus. I mean, just the, the coolest mm. new hip, yeah. right? Food trucks are there. And, um, I mean, in fact, we did one at the Woodlands where I'm like the, the food trucks were like these amazing catering services. I was just, I'd spend all my money there. Crazy good. Come home. Honey, I spent like $700. Did you buy any true. art? No. no. <laughs> waffles. <It was> just <laughs> food. <laughs> but they usually have the good ones have something for the kids. So they, they'll have art activities for the kids. It's an all day affair. Like I used to take Ellie even before I did these shows, we would go and spend all day at the art festival. So we just, you know, it's like $15 a person, but you make it into not for the kids. I think it's like less for the kids, but then you, you know, you make it into an all day affair and they have the really wonderful thing is I have gotten some incredible jewelry that, you know, I, I have vowed never will I ever shop at Dillard's or any, I will never buy like machine made, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mass produced jewelry. Again, I will always buy from, I, I bought these, I traded actually this last show, <laughs> an artist friend and I traded and so I got like $500 worth of, you know, she took one of my pieces and I got like $500 worth of her amazing jewelry. So I've worn it like several times and every time I wear it, people are like, where did you get that? That's so cool. And I'm like, you know, an artist made, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's unique. Yeah. It's handmade. Mm-hmm. You're supporting an artist. I mean, it, you can get Christmas gifts. You can get like handmade shoes and bags and clothes, like things that you, you know, people don't think like ceramics. I mean, stuff mm-hmm. for your kitchen. I mean, and they're handmade, handcrafted oh, things from artists. So you talk about getting like the best Christmas gifts for people, just unique items that you can't buy at Dillard's or at, you know, on Amazon online. Mm -hmm. I mean, just really amazing stuff. So it's just, I mean, if nothing else, I just think it's really fun to go and and look at all the artisans and see the work that they do. And, and, you know, and we get a lot of gifts there. That sounds fun. That does sound fun. I'll have to check that out. It is super fun. So any other dreams, goals for the future? (laughs) Um... You know, yeah, it'd be nice to be able to make, you know, a certain amount just selling my art mm-hmm. kind of catch up and make, you know, some, some, um, you know, be, be able to like, like what you're trying to do. I mean, right. Make, yeah. make money doing what you enjoy, what you, like what you love. Right. Why is it so hard? So. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you still sing? Um, no, not at all. Uh, I mean, to myself <laughs> in the shower, <laughs> right? To you my family, sing, do you sing at church, like it or not? No, I don't. Yeah, we don't go to church. I don't think where that's like really a focus. Okay, and because I don't, and 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 again, like I grew up in a church where I don't know that was so much the focus, and it's still so much the focus that. Um, you know, I don't know. It's like a fine line mm-hmm. because I also don't want to forget the, like the, the main reason that, that we're there is yeah. not, it's not all about the music. It's all mm-hmm. about Jesus. <laughs> so like, it's, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's hard to walk that yeah. fine line. So yeah, I understand. Um, any other type of art that you'd like to get into or explore? Um, I, I have seriously thought maybe I would go back into, drawing or prismacolor or you know um just because this is pretty nichey um yeah and like I said I do well at the Houston shows and and I think things can sometimes sell because they're nichey but it's also um I think in general things that and again as an artist you have to walk that line between um making what you want 
and what's fun for you and what people and, actually and want. selling yeah right so um you know i think every artist i mean i remember studying in music when my degree was in music right i mean where they talked about the composers who you know you don't necessarily get to write what you want you mm-hmm. have to write what like people pay you to write yeah. and so it's just it's it's always kind of walking that line like do I do what I really want to do artistically or do I do what's going to sell and mm-hmm. that I know is going to sell and do I market in that direction so um you know I don't know I mean I enjoy all kinds of art so it wouldn't be like a big um sacrifice to do something different um it's just that you know it's it's like I said you, you're always kind of trying to find what's going to be the I guess we're gonna have maybe more of the widest audience. So, so. what is, what does sell the best? What are people it's most into with art? Really weird because different shows are gonna have completely different markets, and and so a lot of this whole game is figuring out where you fit. Like my work is a lot more um, southwestern mm-hmm. than anything else. So that's the word I was looking for earlier. Yeah. I was trying to think southwestern. Your art was more, I mean, mm-hmm. it, I could see it, you know, Santa Fe, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona. Um, it is not as much, I mean, the big cities have really gone more towards, uh, mimicking New York, which is going to be much more, I like to say the emperor's new clothes syndrome, but <laughs> some of the stuff I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, let's just go with edgy okay. or, or, um, so what's on the New York scene, um, as, as high art or serious art, mm-hmm. uh, is nothing that I would hang in my home. It's not, I mean, so I think some of the big cities like Houston, and uh, the galleries anyway, the Manil, that kind of thing, the museums and galleries, Dallas, um, are, are certainly trying to stay edgy with, mm-hmm. with New York. Um, but I think in general, people in Houston are going to have more of, there is a lot of eclectic taste. Like my, my work would look good in a cabin somewhere or yeah. like in a ski resort somewhere, you know what I mean? Like, it, mm-hmm. like over a fire and it's... Santa Fe kind of yeah right um but it's not going to go in some modern home that looks kind of cookie cutter with the neat couches and the do yeah. you, you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like it would just it just yarn doesn't really meh with that as opposed to I think when you do abstract work it's probably a little easier to sell in some ways because I think sometimes people go into shows looking for um you know we want something about yay big with gray and yellow in it yeah and they're just looking for an abstract piece that has gray and yellow that's two feet by three feet that goes over their couch yeah so you know I mean it just depends on the person I'm the kind of person that literally decorates my house around my art um so yeah it's just I'm like oh yeah I can't have this couch it doesn't go with my art this this is not I know work. so I'm looking at so in this room what what color are, the, are these walls would you say well this would be, yeah I left my turquoise wall yeah I, I promised I Rob I, like I would that. not paint any more colors on my I was like okay the rest of the walls will be white I promise because the turquoise is like a little right but it looks so neat with the different colors coming out of the art though and then you can put just about any color pillow right. over here. Right. And no, I like it. I like the bright and vibrant stuff. Thank you. So who is your favorite artist? Oh my gosh. John Nieto I, is one of my favorite, like, I guess he recently passed away, but he went to SMU um, and uh, American, Native American mm-hmm. artist. Is this his over here? That's, the bear? that's his. I, I got this as a gift. I asked for this as a gift one Christmas. And so it's not even a, an original. It's, it's a, um, a G clay, which is a, like a screen silk screen. Mm-hmm. So it's a beautiful, like he only does, they do like limited editions and it's signed and, um, but it's a, a very nice G clay print. His originals are <laughs> thousands of dollars, <laughs> but even this print was, um, I mean the whole thing, you know, with, it's so about a thousand dollars total with the with the mat and the frame and everything because mm-hmm. it's expensive to frame that size, um, which you know that's I, that's a pretty good deal. But as you can see, like on the bottom, it's a seventy five out of one ninety five, and what that means is that they they did one hundred and ninety five 
um, prints, and yeah. then this was seventy five out mm-hmm. of that. So that's so it came with a little certificate that was authentic, you know, authentic. But he's he's one of my favorite. Um, I guess American recent American artists, but other than that, I love Franz Mark. I've just always loved his work. He uses bold, unusual the the Fauvists, and they they're um, they were a group in France known for their wild, crazy colors, and they got the name the Fauvists because uh, the the first show that they did. Um, a, a critic came and just completely panned the show and, oh, it just looks like they threw paint on a canvas, like a bunch of wild beasts. And so, um, Fauvist, that's, that's wild beast. That's what that okay. means in French. And so they, they got the name, the, the Fauvists and, uh, it is to this day, like one of the most, um, influential movements that there has been. I mean, so it, in fact, uh, John Nieto was inspired by the Fauvists, and you can see yeah. his work, the bright colors. And but before that, people had been painting with, uh, you know, impressionism, and so they started to get a little bit. They started to to get away from realism and you know impressionism, and then but then the the Fauvists came along and started you know painting people's faces green and purple, and you know it's like what is us? You know, was, which is was a new concept at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I love the colors, though. Yeah, isn't that pretty? I mean, I love bright colors, so. So So, any other hobbies, passions, music, art, running, cycling? I think that pretty much sums up traveling. Yeah, it's, it's not like that's not a lot, right? <laughs> you know, music, art, <laughs> so, and traveling, yeah. Yeah, and music is, I guess, a little out of the picture now, you know? Yeah. Well, this has been fun. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for I had having fun. me. I feel like I learned a lot <laughs> on this one. <laughs> it's like, I feel like, a, you know, back when I was a, a freshman. Art school, yeah. yes. You went to art school today. <laughs> yeah, I went to art school. You like It was more informative than my, um, what was it, art history that you're required to take. Oh, that's like, terrible. A, a, a freshman. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, it's the only art class you're required to take when you're in college Well, that I had to take, but it's the one where they stick you in a room with, like, 300 people because oh, they're just trying to get, right. you know, all of the freshmen to get through it their first semester. And the ladies up there in the front with the um, the slides. But, you know, the projector and just... The screen. This is a painting by whoever, you know? <laughs> right. So you do that for three hours a week. So yeah. that's my extent of art knowledge. But I, I like the colors and what you have here. And oh, I feel like you. I just learned a whole lot. <laughs> Thanks. But that was always my goal as an art teacher. So so you, you accomplished your goal today with a 36-year-old <laughs> Woman. Well, you know, it's I, you know, it's all about educating people, right? Yeah. I mean, you're doing the same thing. I mm-hmm. mean, you're trying to educate the public about, you know, in a skirt, and right, like, why do we, why, why, why yeah. do we, people want to know, and like, and running and fitness, and mm-hmm. you know, because if people don't know or understand. Yeah. Well, that's true, and I like what you said so much a few minutes ago about how important, you know. A lot of people think that in the grand scheme of things, if you're if you're talking about um, preservation and conservation or putting money toward good uses, where does art fall in that? Well, like you said, it's a, it's the visual record of history, so it's it's worth the knowledge and the education and the preservation because it's what lets you see a culture that's maybe no longer here or what people's passions were or I, I liked that definition or that, that bit of info. That's true. I don't think I had realized that before. Yeah. I mean, it's so different than just having even writings because yeah. it's just, it's something, I mean, obviously I'm a very visual person, right? So when I can see something like to me and make that connection, like when we studied art history and, and you look at the idols, like the Sumerian idols that they had or the, the Babylonian art mm-hmm. and then you read in the Old Testament and you make you know it's like wow yeah. that's what that's what they're talking about there those idols and like the how stupid they look because they like have these big like the Sumerian idols would have these big because they were stoned yeah basically but they were like worshiping these things made out of I mean it's just, it, so it's just it's fascinating to to make that connection and see like the Babylonians like the 
the bloodshed and the, the savagery and the, you know, and then the idolatry in, in Egyptian art yeah. is just really crazy. I mean, to see, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's fa- it's fascinating. But when we, yeah. when we go back and think about different cultures, it's just, just the average person with no knowledge of, um, no knowledge or education, art education like that you may have. But when we think about ancient cultures that we feel we know the most about, it is um, ancient Egypt because any they person so it, much art. Yeah, has been right. exposed to, to their art. And so you feel like you, you understand that one a little bit more in terms of cultural history because we've all been exposed Right, to the art, and you have that imprinted in your. They head buried it right with yeah. their. I mean, that's that was their belief is they believed that they could take all these things to the yeah. afterlife with them, and so they buried all that stuff. So that's how we know so much about. Yeah, them. exactly. They're yeah, amazing. we know more about them because their right. art was preserved. Yeah. So let's see. Well, thank you, Kata. Oh, I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that interview. This is another one that makes me wish we had video to go along. I wish you could see what we were talking about. Old windows, real shutters, beautiful art. You really have to see Katha's art. In the show notes, I've included links to her website and Instagram profile. I've also included links to the art shows and other things we talked about. There are also pictures of Katha and some of her art on my website, Instagram, and Facebook page. The links to those are in my show notes as well, or you can just look me up in a skirt on any of those mediums. We'll be back next week with a recovery episode. Thank you for listening.